I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult. Exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. So who went out and actually uh, decided to see the big comic movie this weekend? I did. You did, Paul? I did. So how was your experience with this? The best way to say it is I enjoyed the movie. I did have one bad experience, and that was because I was watching it in 3D, and we were in the third row. And uh, so much action in the beginning of that film made me dizzy and nauseous. But then once my eyes adjusted to the film's 3D or they started to not show it as much, it became uh, a very, very nice film for me. I got to watch it, got to enjoy the characters. The thing that I liked about this film versus the other big comic book film that I watched this few months ago uh, was that it took all the characters and advanced their storylines just a little bit, which is what I enjoyed. Corey and I went uh, to go see it. And when I say it, fine listeners, I'm talking about, of course, Captain America, Civil War, Hammer. And uh, we get there at noon and they have it. The only theater that was playing the film at that time was the Bistro. The Bistro? Now, I don't know if you are aware of this, but Marcus Theaters not only are doing the the super loungers, which now are the reclining lounge chairs uh, within the theaters that have a little control that's so finicky that if you even breathe next to it, it moves. (laughs) Um, But we get there, and the only theater that was available was the Bistro, and the only seats that were available were the front row. Oh, I look at Corey. Corey looks at me. We're both grumpy old men. (laughs) We look at the the, bless her soul or the the young lady selling us tickets. And we both look at her and said, nah, that's some bullshit. We ain't doing that. (laughs) And and then she she looks around and goes, you know what? I'm going to give you the handicapped seats. Nobody's the movie's already started. You don't have to worry. Don't worry about it. And she gave it to us for five bucks a piece. Bless her heart. Oh, nice. Wow. We, we show up. We get to these seats. We soon find out why she gave us these seats for five bucks. <laughs> so the bistro, what, if you're not aware of what this is, is that now they've taken the concept of ordering food and brought it into the Megaplex to where now you sit at these seats. There's little swivel tables and there's a button on it where you press the button and then there are like seven or eight quote-unquote waiters and waitresses that basically allow you to order food and bring it to your your seat while you watch the movie. (laughs) So the role that we were sitting in, literally everyone, it was the main thoroughfare for where all of these people are constantly moving in front of us. There were people stuffing their faces with pizzas and processed cheese products until the last five minutes of this movie. This movie is two, almost three fucking hours long. And I look at Corey, I go, no wonder why they gave us DC for five fucking dollars. (laughs) We're going to stop fucking ordering food. 
<laughs> never doing the bistro ever fucking again. Forget it. Regardless of the, uh, I'm not even talking about the movie itself, which yeah. was okay. But, but you asked about the experience. <laughs> the experience is just like, Jesus Christ. Am I out of my mind thinking that they are so desperate to try and wrangle people in now that they're just trying anything at this point? Yes, they're trying to make it like your living room. And I, I want to get out of my living room when right, I go to, the movie. go to the movie theater. Yes, exactly. But why are they trying to make it like my living room? <laughs> because too many people, I guess, are not going to the movies and are staying home. Like, well, you know, we can give you like bunny slippers and recliners here. You just got to pay for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I got to wear pants. Exactly. Oh, that's next. They're going to take that away. Pants optional theater. You know, hey, yeah, pants optional theater. You know, eventually maybe we're going to get down to the glory needs of 42nd Street again. Who knows? Oh, the right direction, One you know? can only hope. No, you don't want to be hanging out with Pee Wee Herman in the in the jail there. You don't want to be doing <laughs> that. <laughs> tequila. Oh, my God. Glenn, do you have any of these bistro theaters by you? Yes. I don't know if any of them still actually do the bistro part. I think there's one that does. They, I remember back in the early 2000s, they tried doing these concepts at like boutique theaters, like the art house theaters, where they would just have they would have one screen and then they would have actual tables. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. they just have these swivel armrest things, um, which I got in. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this damn thing? There was a place in Asheville called Cinnabar. And the back of the chair in front of you had your table on it. Interesting. So it's basically like you were on an airplane. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Except you're stuck there with a weird dude who picked a Woody Allen movie. (laughs) That's the other thing about the Dream Launchers that are not appealing to me is is that uh, sometimes you want to go and watch a movie by yourself. And it's a crowded theater. So you're going to be sitting next to a person with no armrest in between you. It's like. Okay, I'm just gonna reach over here. Oh. So wait, you have again like an airplane without the armrest? There's there was a there's a there's this they got the armrest on one side and then they got the armrest on the other. It's like a couch. It's like a like a I don't know. It's just like a, a big couch basically. Well, they have the armrest is optional. I think you can put it up or put it down. There should be armrests on every single one of those. Everyone that I've been to have have had them. I'm definitely going to look for it now. <laughs> like, that would have been very uncomfortable. <laughs> you, just have pe- you just have people like, no, no, I want to feel you. Be near me, tiny stranger who's watching Captain America. Let's make this weird. Oh, man. Well, and that's, the, that's the thing is the only time I really go to the theaters anymore because most, let's be honest, most of the movies that go to the megaplexes, and that's all we really have where I am right now. The only things I really go see are these comic book movies. And I don't want to be snuggling up with some comic book nerd sitting next to me at the movie theater. No offense. <laughs> no. I have to no listen to their too. bad asthma. This is not like it was in, the, in, the, in issue number five. <laughs> we are awful. I grew up as a comic book nerd. Me too. Here I am. am a comic book nerd. <laughs> Still am. Still am. But but that's that's the thing is. 
there are so many of these movies now that it's literally the only reason I go to the theater is to see these movies. And we've gotten to the point now where there's what, like three or four of these movies that come out every single year. This year alone, let's count them down. What do we got? We got Batman versus Superman. We got the Civil War. We got the Suicide Squad. We got X-Men Apocalypse. We had Doctor Strange, Deadpool. Non-stop. No. It's six this year. It's six this year. It's, it's it's the craze right now. Six to eight on the busiest years possible, compared to like you know the other like two or three hundred movies that are released in the year. It just ha- so happens that because they make so much money yep. and because they cost so much money, they seem to dominate. But it's still just you know they're not nah, still well, just a few movies. If if the review I just read in Forbes is true, then there might be a a few less in the future because they called X-Men Apocalypse a franchise killer. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. I liked yeah. the last X-Men movie quite yes. a bit. And so, so, did, so did the reviewer who, who gave Apocalypse a horrible review. He liked the oh, last no. one a lot. So oh, it's, no. it's, not the, it's not the, often you see these bad comic reviews when you read, it starts off with the, well, let me just say, I don't understand these Superman type movies anyways. Well, like, why are you fucking reviewing it? Yeah, <laughs> disregard that. Piece they of got shit. the assignment, is all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was when I was at the movie theater with Corey. I looked over after we got done. We walked out after sitting through what a thirteen-minute end credit sequence to see Spider-Man at the very end. Um, <laughs> uh, walked out and I and I just looked at him and said, "Man, we're living in a golden age right now. I can't imagine when I was a kid." Because back in my day, um, we didn't have all these comic book movies. There really virtually were none. They were relegated to TV. So we had we had uh, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. And every now and then a shitty bootleg Thor would show up. There, were, there was Japanese spider Oh, no! Yep. yep, there was there was Japanese Spider Man. Yes, uh, yes, I remember. There was that. the Roger Corman Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four, which was which was killed, and we only could see it on in bootleg form. And if you have a chance, folks, go seek that thing out. It is a nonstop <laughs> hilarity the entire way. We oh, were, I liked it. Yeah, there we weren't spoiled the way we are now with these amazing, com- even the shitty ones, amazing comic book movies with this unbelievable action. Anything is possible now on screen, and yeah. uh, even if they aren't super good, I'm so happy because the the little kid in me very excited, <laughs> very excited. I get to see all these movies. So tonight, what I wanted uh, to bring uh, to this episode was I wanted to talk about the films that you aren't really super aware of, especially in this day and age. But back in the day, we only used to get low-budget comic book movies. That was the only way that – and they used to be super hokey and uh, more geared towards kids because, let's face it, comic books are geared towards kids. (laughs) So I wanted – this episode, I wanted to be about – low budget 
superheroes. They don't necessarily have to be 100% linked to a comic book, but I wanted it, the the stuff tonight to be more linked towards maybe some more obscure comic book films that are, are more in the realm of Astro Radio Z, because we're all comic book nerds here. No matter what, I go and see every one of these big Marvel and DC movies, but I also love the really schlocky ones as well. Glenn Bittner, how you doing tonight, sir? Shut up, crime. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. Good, good, good. Paul Salzer, you? I am doing outstandingly. I'm in the dark, but I'm, I'm wonderful right now. Why are you in the dark? I purposely turned out all the lights in my house for some reason. <laughs> He's making it weird. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't I even know how to respond to that. I'm basically, if, if the movie theaters are going to make make everything look like my, my living room, I might as well make my living room like the movie theaters. Oh, okay, so here's another caveat to this bistro fucking debacle. <laughs> On top of the fact that you're sitting here in these loungers where people are stuffing their face every five minutes, you have somebody ordering something new. The lights don't go all the way down because people have to see what they're eating. So the screen gets washed out. (laughs) You know what? Where I am in in Clearwater, which is basically like right next to Tampa to give you an idea of like where the region of the country I'm in. The lights never go all the way out. They go down when the previews start and then they go down a little more when the movie starts. They never go completely down out anymore and i are and i've completely i've I've asked you know the people at the theater because i know that they can't control they know they can't say oh shit we didn't know you know we're gonna get it right on that no it's it's a policy obviously and i said like well what's the thing is it's like they're worried to get about getting sued so that they have to have it a little bit of light in case of what somebody's uh, klutzy enough that they fall on their face i'm like isn't that i'm like isn't that why they're like little tiny lights on the side of the aisles, it's always just to make sure because we've been threatened before, and da, 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 we got to make sure. And this is not one theater; this is all the theaters uh. in my area. I remember going to like see a Lost Highway at the Uptown Theater in Minneapolis, and all the lights would go out, and you actually saw like all the great blacks on screen. There's never going to be complete blacks. On the screen. It drove me nuts the entire time because the first the whole first act of Captain America Civil War me, um, it, it was so faded out that it I was just like, fuck, I should have just waited for this to come out on Blu-ray. This looks terrible. Like, on top of the fact, it looked like it was projected in a weird frame rate where it was stuttering all over the place. So anyways, um, so you heard Mr. Scott Davis. Scott, say hi. Hi. And last but not least, Miss Angelique is here to talk comic books with the boys. How you Yay. doing? I'm wonderful. <laughs> so, Angelique, what do you think of this craze that's going on now, the comic book movie? Well, I mean, you know, folks our age, we're getting very nostalgic and seeing all the cool things that, that weren't possible to be on the big screen when we were kids. And we, you know, of course, as we imagined all these crazy battles while we were sitting in our rooms under blankets with flashlights, looking at these comic books, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a resurgence of our childhood. It's also a people who can't let go of their childhood and be adults and watch adult movies. <laughs> <laughs> 
which you well, can see when when you see all the criticism about the Ghostbusters movie, which hasn't so far hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> right. I, people got really been out of shape about that. They really like, did. It's Ghostbusters guys. Come on. <laughs> well, people get bent out of shape about fucking everything nowadays. Well, now the comic book movies are adult movies. Glenn, what did you think of the comic book movies that used to come out back when we were younger? Looking back, I can say they were, they were really not good. When I saw them, it was the fact that that's just what there was. There were some hidden gems, the Swamp Thing movies and stuff like that. But a lot of them were just, they were, mind you, the comics I read when I was younger, a lot of them were pretty darn corny to begin with. And I think criticizing the movies for being corny when how cheesy some of the comics were is almost hypocritical. But, I mean, it, it, they're nothing compared to what they are today. Right. I mean, it looks, it, they look like something some dude shot in his garage, you know, with a uh, first-generation iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, do you remember, folks... The Reb Brown Captain America movies? Hell yes. <laughs> Beside the fact that you masturbated to it, do you remember <laughs> do you remember the Reb oh, Brown? Big, big, large, huge. <laughs> Beef chest thrust. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we didn't get great comic book movies back in the day. At all. At all. <laughs> Well, we did it after Batman a bit. After Batman, which was considered a huge gamble at the time, we did get like a few years of comic book movies. Most of them didn't take off, but some of my favorites are still from that era. For instance, my favorite comic book adaptation to this day is The Rocketeer. I have I not seen that movie since the 90s when it came out, but I do remember it being a pretty decent flick. Oh, it's a great movie. I love The Rocketeer of... And, a, and probably a close second a few years after that, even though it was more based on a pulp. Another film that didn't really do too well, The Shadow. Loved it. Well, then remember, we also had Dick Tracy. Which I liked. <laughs> the Phantom. I liked which I liked. <laughs> I'm kind of easy when it comes to these yeah. <laughs> Dressed a guy in purple and have him run through the jungle? Shit, why not? Okay. <laughs> Not going to make a dime, I know that, but go ahead. Dark Man. Dark Dark Man, Man, which is one of my faves. Absolutely one of my faves. The sequels didn't hold up as well as the original, but they're still kind of fun. How about The Crow? 94. Can I be the only person in America that didn't like that movie? Oh my goodness. Yes, you are. I really didn't (laughs) like it. I I kind of feel bad for not liking it. I don't think it's aged very well. Mm. No one likes the sequels, I know that, but Uh, I mean... The yes. originals. I, I, no, I lo- no, the original was very close because I was a senior in high school when that thing hit. So that like that the crow like hit at like just the right time. Mm. As a senior in high school, all my friends were like goths and gutter punks. So <laughs> that was like perfect. Like Thrill Kill Cult was in the movie. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, it was more of a rock and roll movie than it was anything, really. It didn't really resemble other than the kind of, like, revenge-style yarn that it it tried to tell. It it didn't resemble most comic book-type things. It it resembled more of, like, a rock and roll goth movie and almost a horror movie all mixed into one.
So tonight, I wanted uh, everybody to bring maybe some of their more less-known comic book films, low-budget superhero flicks. Maybe if you you got sick of watching all the Captain Americas and the Million and a Half Avengers movies, you can you can check out some of these flicks. Angelique, what's the movie you wanted to talk about tonight? I wanted to discuss Orgasmo. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> In a city of sin. What would you say if someone offered you peace and happiness through all of eternity? He was a missionary. Have a nice day. On a mission. Hi, my name's Joseph Young. We're with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A uh, boss? guys from Jesus? Are, are you making a movie here? Yeah. Well, what kind of movie is it? It's an action. Need a hand? Uh, adventure. That's handy work. Yeah. Porno. You make me so horny. Like as in pornographic? <laughs> and I want you to take over as the leading man in my film. <laughs> Come on, boys. Grease them up. And action. Give it to me, you big star. Check that out, man. Keep your mouth shut. Sorry, dude. Got a little excited. I can't. See, I have a fiance. $20,000. Is it enough so that we can get married? It's $20,000. I have to think about this. Yeah. You start at 10 o'clock. Have you met our new orgasmo? Your orgasmo. I'm your sidekick. My sidekick? I help you out with my specially designed sex toys. Oh. Action! Not afraid of orgasmo. Did someone say my name? Come on, boys. Let's get it on. Yes, sir. This is supposed to be erotic. Do you want your money or not? I have had enough of your poop. Get out of here. You don't own me. You want a bet I don't punk? Find yourself another orgasmo. Joe! Joe, help me! Lisa, where? Will you shut up? Orbison took my cupcake. You and I need to do something. It's the orgasmerator. I've made it work. Oh, you're putting me on. You can use your orgasmerator as a weapon. Where's my fiance, butt lord? Who the hell are you? I'm Orgasmo. Curses! Here to save Hollywood. These European videos are kinky. That's a bad dog. And then the world. Farewell, evildoers. Orgasmo. You know, I don't want to sound like a queer or nothing, but I think you've got a really nice ass. Battling Eva has never felt so good. Orgasmo. Yeah, there you go, buddy. Get some. Well, Orgasmo is the tale of a young Mormon out on mission work who stumbles upon a porno set and they try to cut his balls off um, and then he kicks everybody's ass and so they decide that he's going to be the, ne- the new uh, superhero Orgasmo in uh, Max with three X's Orbison's new flick. Since he's a Mormon, he's very much you know, not into doing the actual penetration work, so they use stunt talks when he has to uh, get busy with the ladies. And his sidekick, Chota Boy, gives him an inside road into the workings of porn. Um, <laughs> uh, Chota Boy is actually a genius who's created a real-life orgasmerator. And when he shoots it and the pink laser hits you, it makes you have a fantastic orgasm. So basically, Max is a bad guy. He's not going to pay Joe the money because the whole reason he's doing this is he wants to get married at Temple, which is very expensive. And um, he's hiding it from his girlfriend and trying to get his money. And Max basically extorts him into doing a second film. But they hire a man with no balls so the orgasm doesn't work on him. So there ends up being this battle royale between the man with no balls and everybody else and, and, and Joe and 
his girlfriend finds out that he's doing porn and gets mad, but then she gets kidnapped and it's all okay because they learn how to how to fuck. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Orgasmo is one of my favorite films of all time. Obviously, if you don't know what this is, you should know what this is. It's by Trey Parker, Matt Stone, Osama. And uh, it takes little bits of what they would ultimately uh, mold into uh, the Book of Mormon and uh, bring it to the porno realm and create a superhero that gives people orgasms. It's it's one of the funniest fucking movies. A true American hero. Yes, a true American hero at home here on Astro Radio Z, folks, of course. Paul, what do you think of this flick? I, I laughed through it. it. It was hilarious. I actually owned this film because I enjoyed it so much. It was given to me as a gift of all things. But uh, my favorite is, of course, Chota Boy and uh, all the things that he gets into. And uh, I, I love the cock rocket, especially. Yes. <laughs> I, this movie has so many like running gags. It makes it makes it worth watching like multiple times because it's like, oh, yeah, they set that one up. It was just fantastic. Absolutely. Scott, did you, after seeing this movie, want to learn hamster style? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Even though I promised my dad I'd, I'd never do it again, I, I did. Uh, no, this is a great movie. I mean, I'm kind of weird in the fact that I kind of got a little disenchanted with uh, Trey and Matt uh, and South Park over the years, but... This was like right when I think they were really at their strongest. Trey, uh, did, Trey Parker did this film, still low budget. South Park was still relatively new. It's a very independent film. And yet it is, if you look at it, as you look at all the craziness that's going on there, you know, the fact that it's a porno set, the Mormon angles, everything. When you look at it, though, you're like, this is still really the comic book hero journey and you know and you get that great o- opening scene where you expect him to get his you know ass handed to him by all these security guards and he just starts whooping on him <laughs> and it's like one of those films where you just look at like it's completely unexpected it's com- it, it, it manages to be have certain traditions and then turn them on their ear and i think that it's, it's a lot of fun it's not mean spirited at all. It's not mean spirited or preachy, which I think is which was my problem with a lot of like the later day South Park episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just inventive and funny, and I really do enjoy Orgasmo a lot. It's nonstop jokes. Glenn, what are your thoughts on Orgasmo? I haven't seen it for quite a while. I saw it when it first came out. I remember enjoying it, and this just it reminded me more of of where they came from just that kind of just fucking ridiculous humor angelique why would you consider this uh probably your your favorite low budget superhero flick it's not it doesn't really have a message or anything it's just you know here's this silly idea because i mean if you think about the origins of superheroes they're all kind of silly um this is not like you know a radioactive goo that fell on somebody or you know an alien or something like that. It's just a regular Joe who gets handed this awesome thing and, and, and does, I guess, good with it. A Mormon who brings down the porno <laughs> ring. What I, what I liked about the movie is that, okay. And you can look at it like on the, on the surface and say, Oh wait, they're doing that whole thing where, you know, the porn empire is a nest of crime. Like they use, which is like kind of old, but then you look at 
Like, no, this is, it's actually, they, they got a lot of uh, what at the time were both current and former adult personalities yes. to be in the movie. Uh, Ron Jeremy's in there, Max Hardcore's in there, uh, Jill Kelly. I, I want, you know, I couldn't find her in, in the credits, but I wanted to say that Julie Ashton was in there because I remember she thinking is. that. Yeah, I remember because I remember thinking how funny she was and like thinking, man, Julie Ashton is kind of a natural comic timing going on here. Orgasmo! Yes! <laughs> that, I knew that was her. And I was, like, I was like, she has a really good natural comic timing, like her facial expressions and everything. And I liked that they kind of were able to bring them in here because, let's face it, with the budget Trey and Matt were working with, they weren't that far off from Porto. <laughs> <laughs> but they made the most of it because the film looks great. It has and give credit where credits due. It works mostly because they are good directors and they're good editors. So they yeah. know timing. They know comic timing, and it works to a tier. They mess up with the comic timing in the other way. I remember one time. Uh, I think I think it was Ain't It Cool News, like way way back, like right after the movie came out, was actually interviewing Ron Jeremy for some strange reason, and he said, you know, I didn't get it at first until I saw it with an audience because they would leave the camera on so that you could see how fake the effects were, and I was trying to point out to them like you shouldn't do that; they're going to see how fake the effects are. And they said, that's the point. And when I saw it with an audience, it was better. So, like, for instance, at the end, you see this house or mansion explode. And it because they don't cut away, because they lead it, you can really tell it's a model. And that's what makes it funny. <laughs> yep. Well, just like most of their stuff, it's a deconstruction of what you're used to seeing. Everyone, arguably, every one of their films is a deconstruction of a specific genre. Yeah. Cannibal the Musical. Obviously, you have musicals that are that are played as a as a gore farce. You have mm-hmm. uh, basketball, which is a satire on the sports film. You Underrated, have, I think, too. Absolutely, Completely. absolutely. South Park's obvious. Team America, which is a which is a send up of the Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. So there's Dream stuff, yeah. The, Yep, they're co- and the James Bond type film and Djangoism and all sorts of other shit. So, so that's kind of what they do. In Orgasmo is a total send up of comic book films. So uh, that's a, an amazing pick. Always been one of my favorite films of all time. I've seen it so many fucking times. And the epic <laughs> now I'm a, now you're a man song. That's now you're oh, my oh 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 my what am I sorry about love that song. Love that song. <laughs> so, okay, let's go ahead and move on. Paul, what are you bringing to me tonight? Uh, well, this one's actually, it almost seems like it's a big budget film compared to some of the films that we're talking about. Oh, I think um, mine's worse, but so um, don't worry. <laughs> Um, this is uh, from the uh, ninth. Was it 1989? It's The Punisher starring Dolph Lundgren. If society won't punish the guilty. He will. You see this board here? Every time he kills somebody, I put a red pin in it. So far, the only thing that I've got to show for is these little calling cards here. 
whole bunch of these. Now, let me tell you something about this Punisher. If he ever shows up within 1,000 yards of me, he'll find out what the word punished really means. He defends the innocent. But if you're guilty, he gives no warning and shows no mercy. What the hell is this? Trouble. Dolph Lundgren, Lewis Gossett Jr. Mr. P, happy hunting! The Punisher. Justice with a vengeance. It's like your typical Punisher film. It's uh, about a vigilante who spends years trying to avenge the death of his family. Uh, in this particular film, you have a former partner played by Lewis Gossip Jr., who's kind of investigating, is heading up the task force to try to discover who it is the Punisher is. And then we find out that because the Punisher has been doing this like five years worth of revenge against the crime family, he's weakened them to the point where the, the Yakuza come in and they step in and they're trying to take over the entire city. And one of the plots that they have uh, in this film is that the Yakuza kidnapped the kids of the crime lords. And then, of course, the Punisher goes in and he tries to rescue them. It's an interesting film. And the reason why I love this film is because it has one of my favorite, favorite quotes in a movie. And uh, that's when the uh, lady Tanaka uh, says this quote, uh, we are Yakuza. Uh, when your ancestors were shepherds still screwing sheep on the Mediterranean coast, we were the crime lords of Asia. It's <laughs> one of my favorite lines because when i first heard it i was kind of i was still fairly young and it was just, it just made me laugh it was like oh my god screwing sheep it's <laughs> <laughs> great how uh, young were you when you saw this film 12 no i couldn't have watched this when it first came out i got this on video i think when i first it, it came out straight to video yeah it went straight to video because uh, new world pictures they their film distribution was like done yeah, they, they had to up. sell it off. Yeah. So I was definitely a teenager at that time. And I didn't know anything about The Punisher uh, at that time because I was collecting Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Ham uh, comic yeah. books. I was, I was doing uh, <laughs> Strange Tales. Cloak and Dagger is always my favorite. One of the things that, that was weird about this film is that, okay, so, so now I know everything about The Punisher. or Not everything, but I know a lot about The Punisher, especially after the new movies that came out. And this, Dolph Lundgren does not have the iconic shirt, you know, the skull shirt. Instead, he has these uh, knife handles with skulls on them. And if you look at Dolph Lundgren's actual face, he kind of looks like a skull head in the film. And I think they were trying to do that because... In this time frame, they were trying to not make this a comic book film uh, because it very much could have easily have been any one of those Dolph Lundgren police films, uh, you know, that came out around that time. And mm -hmm. I think they did that on purpose because they were afraid of comic book films because it was like, well, if we did this and everyone thought it was a comic book, they're not going to go see it. And so they well, made it because it was like, relegated to children's. I, I mean, yeah, comic books, comic books were geared towards children and the line, the, the Marvel Dark Knight line that uh, Punisher is, is stems from mm -hmm. is not geared towards children. And he never was geared towards children. Exactly. Um, and you can definitely see this in this film because there's a lot of bullets 
like there's one scene where he's just he's doing like a, a rambo type thing where he's just firing 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 and you just see all these bullets going and going and going it's just amazing before i get into my thoughts about <laughs> dolph lundgren's punisher glenn were, were you ever a fan of this one not really i can't say i didn't i, I disliked it i was never just i watched it once that was enough for me what was the big uh downfall of this flick would you say I'm a fan of, of the actual Punisher comic. Mm. So to be fanboy, it's the, you know, the, it's, this isn't the Punisher that I remember reading for those who have, who have watched the new season of daredevil. Mm. That's the Punisher I've been, I, I've always been wanting. And I had up until that, well, actually up, up until the short that Tom machine did called dirty laundry mm-hmm. which you can watch on YouTube. I hadn't gotten the Punisher I wanted. So, the movie taken just as it's, uh, as itself as just you know vigilante dude killing people it's fine, but it's not the Punisher for me. I agree. My my big thing with the Punisher film, the original, the first one, is that I feel Dolph Lundgren is horribly casted in this film. <laughs> he is. He just looks so awkward in this movie he has the worst painted on don johnson three-day beard ever committed to celluloid i don't care what you say that fucker is not real awful i just watched it uh, uh, yesterday terrible worst beard ever committed to film <laughs> it almost takes me completely out of it because every time you see him he looks like he's about to fall asleep and that <laughs> someone decided to brush some some fucking uh black paint across his face the to mimic a beard well he basically looks dead well, he basically looks dead in the movie he right. looks like a zombie he looks like somebody who really did die five years before <laughs> and who now is just like this avenging like spirit He's like half dead, half alive, which I actually thought was a nice touch. His face did look like a skull, like he was dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's an interesting way to put it because I never really thought of it that way. Oh, I totally thought of it that way. The way he like just how he looks in each screen. I mean, I know that, okay, Dolph probably doesn't have the greatest range uh, that we can think of, but <laughs> we've all seen him, you know, be very animated in films. Mm-hmm. I like Dolph. Here he's it's- not. Here he's like a dead man walking and stuff. Uh, and I think that uh, on, except for the flashback sequences. Right. Right. Which I guess in the director's cut or the work print cut that's out there, there, those were extended. There was actually more of the pre punisher Frank castle that was filmed. Yeah. So there is a markedly different Frank castle in the film, but I've never had a problem with Dolph Lundgren. I actually kind of like him in movies, but this it's a little too one note, but the Punisher it, to a certain extent is a kind of a one note character, but I just, this is one of the few instances and you're rarely going to ever hear this out of me where I, where a film is almost nonstop action where I got fatigued. And it, just, <laughs> it, 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 it drug for me. It just it just didn't work for me. There was some great. Th- Louis Gossett Jr. is awesome in this film, as he always is awesome. Um, but it just seemed to like a little bit too much for me. Uh, Scott, what do you 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 tend to really like this one, right? Yeah, Paul. I'm so happy you picked this movie because 
I've already had this argument in private with Mr. Carey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is actually uh, my fa- still my favorite incarnation of the Punisher. Oh, wow. In- including the new season of Daredevil. Oh, that oh, is wow. just ludicrous blasphemy. Because, no, 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 no. Not that I didn't enjoy the newest incarnation of the Punisher. I'm taking it, looking at this, this I said, you know what, I still think this is the most interesting portrayal of the character. I think it's a great action film. I think it's the most relentlessly entertaining uh, and and emotionally complex. I think that the the storyline is very clever. I just love the pacing of it. I think this, I mean, when I saw this, like most people did when it first, when it finally hit VHS, because it was supposed to come out a couple years before it finally hit. Um, and I remember renting this. God, I think I, <laughs> you're going to love this because I think it came out on the same weekend as Vice Academy 2, and those are the two <laughs> movies I rented. <laughs> Is that a coincidence? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember watching the saying, like, and I, I think I even started watching this in front of my parents. Because. Oh, no. This because, is a like, film. because, okay, it's, I said, well, mom, it's, it's going to be violent. It's rated R. Uh-huh. And, they, they should, and she says, but you said it's a comic book, right? I'm like, yeah. So how violent could it be? I'm like, yeah, good point. Yeah. And in the opening scene, people are getting like, you know, slit from their stomach to their throat. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> Even she didn't make me turn it off. She's like, no, this is pretty good. <laughs> I'm with Glenn on this to where I, I as an action movie, it's okay. As oh, great. A, as a Punisher movie, though, it is it is not okay. It and just, I want to put another vote in that I, I actually really like Dolph Lundgren a lot. I think he's underrated. I, I have seen less than half of his movies. That's that's easily done because he only makes fifty a year. So I mean, because he makes so many, yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I I look at some of the movies he did, and like, you know, like, okay, Punisher. I mean, and and they're various things. You know, some are super cheesy, some are super dark. Like, okay, Punisher, Masters of the Universe, Red Scorpion, Showdown in Little Tokyo. I'm like, Jesus, this guy's done some fucking cool movies. <laughs> <laughs> Red and he's a master's in chemical engineering. Yes. 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 Yeah. And he's and he's a genius. Exactly. <laughs> this this is a serviceable film. It's a it's a good film. If you're looking for an actual Punisher film, go watch the new season of of absolutely. Daredevil. It's yeah. absolutely fucking amazing. Okay. See, I thought of, uh, well, I'm not going to get into what I thought of the latest season of Daredevil. So <laughs> <laughs> better better you don't disparage my Daredevils. <laughs> hey, Daredevil was my Daredevil was my hero growing up because, as I've said on many occasions, why? Uh, he's a blind guy who kicks ass. Oh. I I kind of looked up to that because <laughs> I was a blind guy who didn't. <laughs> oh. oh, such so 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 good. So, Glenn, what was the movie you were going to bring in tonight? I went with something a little newer. I brought Super. Right. I knew I was losing her. Excuse me, have you seen my wife? I don't think she wants to see you anymore. Sarah! Don't touch my car again. 
I'm going. That's not the kind of touching I'm at. Jock, he stole my wife. Can you arrest him? Sometimes it's better just to accept these things. <laughs> Batman, battering, pipe bombs, utility belt. Utility uh, belt. Green arrow has a bow and arrow. Okay. Why do you need all those? I'm making up my own superhero. He needs a weapon. That'll do. Cool. All it takes to be a superhero is the choice to fight evil. Shut up, crime. Don't steal. Don't deal drugs. Don't molest kids. Brutal assault by the Crimson Bolt continued last night. Are you him? No. That's cool. I could be your kid's sidekick. How do I look? That's inappropriate. Frank is the only thing that will save me. We will take those suckers down. It's good. Let's do this. You just sit here and wait for crime to happen? That's right. <sighs> this is so boring. Yes, I can tell you now. You're supposed to kill him. I'm just learning. You have to teach me these things. It's not about good and evil. This is about she love me more because I am interesting. So it's about six years ago. It uh, stars Rain Wilson from The Office mm-hmm. and Ellen Page. Um, it's about a guy who's he's a fry cook whose wife leaves him for a drug lord, played by Kevin Bacon. <laughs> so after a, a bit of a kind of, he watches some Christian get dude on TV and decides to become a superhero called the Crimson Bolt. And he arms himself with a pipe wrench and smacks people with it for lots of things. <laughs> including like just buddy, buddy, buddy in line at the movies. Um, he like almost kills a guy just hitting him in the face with a pipe wrench. Don't we wish we all could do that? Yes, yes. and that's a big thing that appealed to me about this movie is it's it's the type of things that you wish you could do. Just hit people with a pipe wrench. There, there's actually a, a line in the movie that is uh, when he's when he's squaring off against the big bad guy. The guy says, um, "You know, you're just you're just as bad as me." You know, it's. You, doing this stuff, he's like, you know, you almost killed a guy for butting in line. And Frank's like, you don't butt in line. You don't sell drugs. You don't molest children. You don't profit on the minority of others. The rules were set a long time ago. They never change. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that, you know, you have people now, it's it's just, it's like common courtesy is gone. And you want to hit people in the face with a pipe wrench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved uh, the angle that this took, which is by James Gunn. This film was directed by James Gunn, who is not unfamiliar to comic book fans, obviously, from the Guardians of the Galaxy. But he also did another film called The Specials with uh, Rob Lowe and a bunch of other kind of low-budge B-list stars, which is a a pretty damn fun movie in and of its own right. I love Super. It it takes uh, a bunch of cues from Kick-Ass. It's kind of uh, a lot of the same ideas about people taking matters into their own hands. And what if in reality people decided without superpowers to become superheroes and what would be the consequences of those actions with the, the typical snarky James Gunn level of violence and humor? 
tossed in. I really like Super a lot. Paul, have you seen this one? I have. It really tugged at me. Uh, I remember hating uh, the Sarah character for for just being who she was and not 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 turning out the way I wanted her to turn out. Uh, I remember being freaked out by the the Libby character, which was Ellen Page's character. Yep. It's just the the whole dynamic of having a sidekick basically rape the hero this time around. It made me uncomfortable. So this movie just was amazingly powerful, you know? It was super visceral. I think that's the thing that about it that that works in its favor is that it takes this concept and as Glenn said, his superpowers literally hitting people in the face with a pipe wrench. Yeah. Um, and when when this happens, he gets his ass kicked quite frequently. But when he does inflict damage, it's very real. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's it's not a glorified. It is frank and in your face. That and gun scene at the end. Oh, my God. Super, super trauma style violent. Oh, God. <laughs> Scotty, what do you think of this one? I really like this movie a lot. Everybody's picks tonight, which we were kind of told in advance for most of them, I think, are just great movies. Uh, and this is a really interesting film. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, around this time, we kind of had a few of these films, which were kind of like the superhero wannabe films. The people who decided to be heroes or thought they were heroes, but really weren't. And this is one of my favorites of the bunch. Probably my absolute favorite. I'm just going to say it real quick just to get the name out there, because I'm always trying to plug the movie, is uh, the film called Defendor yeah. with Woody Harrelson. Also Great movie. On, on my list, it was between it was between those special Super and Defender. I had to pick one. Super is is just really good. What, what gets me about this film is that it is so emotional. I mean, you look and you hear like, yeah, it's this guy who dresses up and he decides to become you know hit people and do this, but it's about it. it these people are in the film are really like mentally scarred people. You know, <sighs> Rain yeah. Wilson's character is mentally scarred. Uh, the Libby character, like Ellen Page, who becomes the sidekick, Bolty, is, like, psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's got real problems. And, of course, you got the villains who have their own problems. And, you know, the, the girlfriend has her own problems. You know, it's everybody has, has all these mentally scarred people. And this leads to a lot of the film's great strengths, uh, such as with the, you know, ending that does not take the thing you do and it leads to some of like its thing. I mean, it, it's really, I'm not going to give anything away about the movie. I will say that there's that one moment towards the end during the final assault when, when the tone really shifts. Uh, yes. It's, it, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was almost impossible for me to get over that. Really so disturbing. Roger Ebert in his review, of this movie spoiled that whole fucking scene. Because he obviously, for some reason, thought this was just supposed to be like a lighthearted comedy. Oh, that's a shame. About a dude that smashed people upside the head with a pipe wrench. Yes. Well, you know, because, you know, people have go into these things with the wrong. I mean, I I was working at a video store when this came out and people would come back and they were pissed. Right. They said this. What what is this? This is like really like. These people are sad. I'm like, yeah, they're all yeah. sad people and everything. I thought it was a really clever movie. I, I like Rain Wilson a lot. You know, yeah. he's a he got a lot of his you know attention for being so good on The Office that I think a lot of people thought that that's just what he's like. But here he's a little different. Uh, he did a show that only lasted like half a season called Backstrom that I thought was great. Mm, uh, yes. He's he's really good at playing 
characters that are a little off, but not in a not in a you know vague character actory way. He actually can kind of tap into the exact pathology of a character and really go with it. And that's one of the things that makes Super so great. Well, you got to give credit where credit's due. James Gunn knows what he's doing. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. his his feeling and style is all throughout this movie all he's kind of had the same sensibilities since his early trauma days until now and uh that's why i love uh seeing any all of his movies i i don't think he's made a movie that i i haven't completely loved there, there's a review on on imdb where because this movie totally can't well the studio didn't even back it i mean it showed like a total of like 25 theaters uh-huh. Or thirty theaters, but it it so it tanked, and there a reviewer actually said that the single solitary downfall of the movie is that it completely disregards expectations, which it's a downfall in in making the movie appealing to a broad audience. But I think that's what makes it such a good movie because people when they first saw this, they're thinking Rain Wilson and they're thinking, you know, Dwight from The Office, right? And it is not. Nope. And even in the in terms of superhero movies, it takes left turns that you're yes. not expecting either. And that's the only way you get good things is if you take chances. Yeah. Ellen Page is great too in this movie. See, I love Ellen Page, so yeah. yeah. Love this movie. Great pick. Absolutely great pick. Scotty, what do you bring to the table, my man? This is a film okay, I gotta give a caveat. As Paul said, his was a little larger budget. Mine's kind of in the same realm. I was looking and looking and looking for what a budget was to this movie. And the closest I heard was that it was just under 10 million. Mm. So a little higher than like super and orgasmo and such, but still like less than all the other big movies. Definitely. (laughs) This is a French film, but it was shot in English and it's called Gwendolyn. From Thieves Harbor, Singapore. To the corrupt casinos of Macau, across uncharted seas and treacherous jungles. Journey to a lost civilization. With a reluctant hero. Get out of my way, you're not my type. And a lady who loves to be rescued. Destiny. Rose them together. Again. Willard! And again. Come on, scream! More. Come on, you scream! More. More again. And again. I belong to you, body and soul. You're kidding. No, wait! in the lost, lost land of the Yik Yak. American audiences might know it better uh, under its under the more uh, chopped down title 
Uh, well, it was chopped down version. Uh, the Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak. It stars Tawny Katane. This film came, I think it was shot just before, but came out just after Bachelor Party. Brett Huff, Zabu, and Bernadette Lafont. It's directed by Just Jacquin, who uh, was the director of Emmanuel and the Story of O. Nice. Nice. And this film is basically if you wrapped Indiana Jones and Buck Rogers and a little bit of Barbarella and kind of turned it into like this weird, campy, uh, romantic, high swinging adventure and then uh, added like lots and lots of eroticism. It is based on a comic strip uh, that I don't really have much use for personally. Uh, It was based on a comic strip called The Adventures of Sweet Gwendolyn, which was done like in the 30s and 40s by John Willie. And they were uh, heavy into BDSM, which lots of people are into. Eh, It's not my thing. And it wasn't really just Joaquin's thing either. So even though there's lots of scenes where people are getting tied up in this movie, it's not really the fetish. It's more of a a high-flying adventure film. It starts out in Hong Kong. And has it's like obviously takes place like in like Indiana Jones times, like the 30s, early 40s, something like that. And it's got and you've got this girl who had this who is who has been raised in a convent all her life. And she had this dream that her father, who is a butterfly collector, went missing while searching for this rare butterfly with her friend, the more streetwise Beth. She stows away in this boat and is, and we pick her up in Hong Kong where she meets this adventurer, kind of a real asshole type character named Willard, played by Brett Huff, who, uh, if you're a fan of exploitation films, you may have seen him in some of Jess Franco's films. He was in uh, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, and he's so freaking awesome as the as the winking hero type. What happens is he he they made up with her him and lots of bickering back and forth. Eventually he starts helping her find her her father who we find out was actually killed while searching for this butterfly. So they go so Beth Willard and Gwendolyn, uh, Gwendolyn obviously being the Tawny Katane character who's from the convent, uh, wind up going across jungles and deserts and all these things in search of this mythical butterfly finally discovering an 800 year old civilization of amazon women who live in a in a mountain this movie sounds fucking amazing (laughs) and to which she has to where she will have to actually start fighting in like gladiator combat things with these like weird pleather like outfits where it's like kind of like pleather bikinis and g-strings and stuff this has a chase scene with human chariots they are they are chasing people with these are chariots that are that are being run by amazon warriors and there's a chase scene in it there's all sorts of like great humor in this movie there's great acting uh Tony Katane is great. Brett Huff is great. Zabu as Beth is great. There's so much going on. I want to tell you about my fandom of this film. I grew up with this movie. Of course, it was on late night cable. Then that's the only place they could show it. It's it's really R. And 
then I had the VHS tape. And then I found out in the 90s that the version that America was seeing, which ran like around an hour and 28 minutes, was not the full version. It was that everywhere else, Canada and Europe and everywhere else, had a version that was an hour and 45 minutes. In the mid-90s, I bid on eBay $93 to get my hands on the Canadian VHS tape. And yeah. I got it. And that's the version I've been watching ever since. The hunt, the hour and 45-minute version. It's got a lot more humor. It's, got, it's a lot more uh, progressive because just Joaquin got really mad because they cut out all the scenes where the, where the women just turned around and slapped the guys because <laughs> he says, he's, 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 he says, what, why, why should women, he says, yes, there's lots of like tying up. Why should women be submissive? The hero of the movie is Gwendolyn. <laughs> so uh, where, where can people go in order to get this? Is it released on DVD right now or what? Yeah. I actually want to say it was the very first film ever released on DVD by Severin. Uh, and they released both versions, the, the American version and the regular um, international version, Gwendolyn, with like all sorts of extras. It's really great. You can get it still. It's got beautiful pictorials and everything. You can't miss it because it's got it's got naked Tawny Katane on the cover of it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And Sold. There's lots of lots lots of action, lots of humor, lots of emotion, lots of fucking. It's really good. <laughs> I, I think you've just sold it to every single one of my listeners. I, I don't think you need to pitch it anymore. Um, oh, has oh. anybody else here on the panel uh, seen or heard of this flick? I've no. seen it. You've seen it, Glenn. So what oh, are your yeah. thoughts? Indiana Jones, but instead of Nazis, there's naked women. Pretty much. And, and there you go. There's your elevator pitch. Love <laughs> and it. How is that not awesome? <laughs> yeah, yeah and Brett, and Brett, you're you're right, uh, Scott. Brett Huff, uh, Huff is he's creating this. He's great, you know. And in the extras on the DVD, Judge Jacquin was saying, you know, this business really isn't fair. He says because I looked at this. I look at what he did in this, and he says I can't for the life of me figure out why that guy didn't become a huge star. Well, a lot of it is, you know, right place at right time, you know, right product. And unfortunately, some people just fall between the cracks. He did become a director, apparently. I have not seen any of his movies, but he apparently has directed a couple of movies in recent years. So, Do you know any of the titles off the top of your head? No, because honestly, I don't think they were the types of movies I would seek out. They were kind of sounded very Hallmarky. Oh, okay, um, sure, I'm not sure. sure if they are, but they sounded like it. So... Mm. So all Astro Radio Z listeners, go out, find the DVD of The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of Yik Yak. Yeah, I that's the name of the American Yik. version. Uh, and then if Gwendolyn, you want get... unrated director's cut on Amazon, $21. Yeah, and it's just called Gwendolyn. Awesome pick. You guys, you, you guys all brought in great flicks. I, I love them on. Definitely picking up Gwendolyn uh, as soon as possible, possibly right after. <laughs> This episode's done. I'll and then you'll have a, a strong rebuttal of saying, Scott was so full of it. <laughs> I should have known. He didn't. He loves the Punisher movie. <laughs> <laughs> to finish out this episode, I'm going to bring, I usually start off the episode by giving my pick, but this episode I decided to let everybody else say their picks because I brought possibly the greatest low budget goddamn hero movie, oh, superhero movie of all time, goddammit. Lots of goddammits in this description. It's Jim Wynorski's Return of Swamp Thing. 
big green guy is back. They call me Swamp Thing. You're a plant, aren't you? He's come back to settle a score. Find him. And bring him in. He's got a grudge, because they turned him to slug. I believe this is yours. What? The return of Swamp Thing. Starring Louis Jordan. What did you do? Sell your soul to the devil? Let's just say he has a lease uh, with an option to buy. Heather Locklear. She can get in my things anytime she wants to. Why can't men be more like plants? I mean, you can stroke a plant and it doesn't get the wrong idea. And Swamp Thing. But I can't give you the kind of love you want. Why not? I'm a plant. That's okay. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> He's turning over a new leaf for love. One of my all-time favorite films. It is uh it was a, a cable TV staple in uh the late 80s, early 90s. You have uh Dick Durock playing Swamp Thing. A Swamp Thing that actually looked like the Swamp Thing from the comics, unlike uh Ray Weiss in uh Wes Craven's version who I, I hated how he looked in that movie. It looked like he had a trash bag over his head for the most part. <laughs> um, but Swamp Thing, the, the effects work is fabulous. He he looks like he has uh, vines and branches and roots growing through him. He looks like a walking Arnold Schwarzenegger plant, kicking a bunch of other rubber monsters' asses all over the place. Uh, so you have, uh, let's see, who else do we got in here? We got Louis Jordan is back as Dr. Anton Arcane. Heather Locklear play is here now as the romantic love interest in this film as Abby Arcane and Sarah Douglas, the always amazing Sarah Douglas. I love seeing her in these low budget flicks. She plays uh, Arcane's quote unquote sidekick, love interest, blah, blah, blah. But she always plays a great villain in all of these movies. And the return of Swamp Thing basically picks up after the Wes Craven film, kind of, kind of. And in the swamps, all of a sudden, these monsters are starting to spring up. These uh, half-human, half-animal monsters are springing up. And Swamp Thing has to figure out where they're coming from. And, of course, if you've read the comic books, you know where they're coming from. Dr. Arcane is at his hijinks again, manipulating and working on DNA and trying to make super monsters and figure out how he can live forever. So Swamp Thing, the, the return of Swamp Thing, the reason why I like it so much, not only because Jim Wynorski brings his usual sleazoid kind of fun low-budget, sexy, funny uh, aesthetic to the film. It's very lighthearted. It's PG, PG-13, actually. It, it has a, a lot of great prosthetic effects work in it. Heather Locklear is at the pinnacle of her hotness in this flick. She is gorgeous in this flick. It, it's geared more towards kids. It's a rock'em sock'em kind of, if you like, oh, I don't want to say Power Rangers, but it, it does kind of have that 
kind of feel where the the monsters fighting each other are just a bunch of rubber prosthetic dudes beating each other in the chest a lot. Um, <laughs> but it's done in a super fun way. There's kids that are super charming, have great lines and personality that are big characters in this film. Every time they're on screen, these two kids that uh, live in the swamp, they're trying to take pictures of Swamp Thing so that they can get $10,000 and sell it to the newspaper. They are great characters and, and lend this real comedic air to it. This was from the time where comic book movies, for the most part, try to look like they were comic books. So there's the aesthetic of page turns and freeze frames and stuff like this. For the most part, this is just a brainless farce, fun, rock'em sock'em monster mash movie. And it, it honestly, for my buck, it blows Wes Craven's movie completely out of the water. I couldn't mm. recommend this high enough. Uh, Glenn, what do you think of Return of Swamp Thing? It's corny and it's cheesy, and I love this movie. I watched this. Uh, I probably wore the videotape out. Some of the some of the dialogue is just you know it's like, I'm your boyfriend. Why not? Because I'm a plant. That's okay. I'm vegetarian. <laughs> That's right. Because Heather Locklear, <laughs> she is a florist who talks yes. to all of her plants. And yep. and how does Swamp Thing bring her over to the romantic side? He takes a pea pod off of his crotch. And- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah it feeds it to her and then she imagines she's hugging and kissing a, a human form dick durock it's, it is one of the most odd sequences i've ever seen in a flick but i absolutely <laughs> adore it i was of course big into the all the all like the cheesy b-flicks so i already knew who of course i already know knew the swamp thing movie which i remembered being eh it's okay wasn't as great as it could have been, but it was decent. Then I, of course, said, wait, Jim Wynorski is doing this? This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. It's a big movie and Jim Wynorski is doing it? <laughs> I already knew about, you know, Chopping Mall and Deathstalker 2 and stuff like that at that point. And I don't know if I had seen, I want to say that I had seen Not of That of This Earth at that point, but I can't swear to it. Because Ace Mask actually plays the same character in the movie. But uh, I remember when this movie came out, I was waiting and waiting for it because it came out in the middle of May, which was not considered summer movie season yet back in the mid 80s. And it came out in middle of May 1989 in most of the country. But where I was in Minnesota, Minneapolis, like the Twin Cities area, since it wasn't a huge, uh, considered a huge market, it didn't come out there until June 16th, 1989. I remember that date because I went to the movie theater to see that. Everybody was lined up to see Ghostbusters 2, (laughs) which had come out on that very day. Oh boy. And I'm like, nope, forget Ghostbusters 2. I want to see Return of Swamp Thing. Which and of is course, a they're all movie. like looking like, are we showing a movie called Return of Swamp Thing? <laughs> like, yup. <laughs> and I got into the theater. I had to argue with the old guy who insisted that, who was trying to insist that 13-year-olds were not allowed to see PG-13 movies. And I got into the theater, big struggle. It was the first, but hardly the last time that I was the only person in the theater, which was fine. Because I got to cheer with the movie. 
because there are so many parts of this movie where you just want to cheer. Like when he, Swamp Thing, like the, the title comes on the screen and they play Born on the Bayou. Oh, dude. <laughs> and and they, they got, uh, in cooperation with DC, it has all comic book art for the, the title sequence. Mm-hmm. They use the actual Swamp Thing logo in the title. Um, it, they're able to use a lot of the characters from the comic books. It yep. is it is a genuine Swamp Thing film. It, unlike the original Wes Craven's film, which I thought was, I think maybe tonally it felt a little like Swamp Thing. It just didn't have that it factor. It wasn't. Ex- it wasn't very exciting. Uh, and like for people who are like looking for the really moody Alan Moore. Swamp Thing. No, this is not your movie. This no. movie, in fact, you can actually argue that it's really not a lot like the comic book. No, nope. at least not what the comic book became known for. It's very corny. It's very campy because it's Jim Wynorski. And even though Wynorski is capable of directing lots of different styles and has directed lots of different styles. He really excels at camp. And so he's got all his players here. Ace mass Monique Gabrielle is in there again. Oh, looking so hot. Oh my God. She was just so gorgeous and su- such a talent too. She was really, I mean, I love her in death stalker too. I think that she's just amazing. The film is just a total treat. And I remember seeing that and being the only and thinking, you know, I love that I'm the only one here so I can like be le- be, you know, obnoxious with this movie because this is such an audience movie. Oh, but I kind of also was really upset that there was no audience in there with me because it's so much fun. But thankfully, a lot of people discovered it once it hit VHS. So yeah, VHS cool. and cable TV, I think that's where it found its audience. But I still think it's fairly well relegated into obscurity. It, it, I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this film and it's a damn shame because it's one of the funnest flicks you can find Mm -hmm. yeah there's one scene before we we wrap this up there's one scene that literally kills me every single time that i've seen this now there are these two kids that are best friends the one kid who's the kind of the chubbier kid and then you have the african-american boy who lives in the swamp in a in this trailer uh the chubby kid comes over sneaking over is your dad gone yeah he's gone come on in they go in you think they're they're gonna party it on up whatnot what are they doing no the the one boy found his dad's porno stash and they're gonna hang out in the living room looking at porno mags (laughs) and and the one the the chubby boy sits down opens up this porno mag goes Oh my, look at all these babes. <laughs> One of the greatest scenes of all time. And then as he, all of a sudden there's a knocking at the door. I'm like, oh no, no, my dad's back. We got to get rid of this. There's porno mags everywhere. They're tossing them under rugs, under cushions, under the couch, everywhere. They finally get to the door, they open it up, and it's a huge rubber monster with blood coming out of its mouth looking to looking to eat them they slowly close the door look at each other and scream that's the kind of movie you're dealing with here folks my favorite line one of my favorite villain lines in this movie uh louis jordan of course back is back in there he has a parrot named gigi by the way folks um (laughs) the uh, heather locklear is there and she says my god 
what did you do? Sell your soul to the devil? And he says, let's just say he has a lease with an option to buy. Yes. <laughs> I, love, I love that line. Classic, <laughs> classic, classic stuff. So, folks, definitely, if you can find it, get Return of Swamp Thing. When I rewatched it this week, it brought back so many memories. I used to watch this on cable so much, and I hadn't seen it in years. And it was easily the best decision I had made all week. <laughs> it was Aww. such a. It is such a fun flick. Please go out and check it out. I'm. I didn't want to sit and talk. It'd be easy for us to sit and talk about all these new movies that are out now, and uh, and sit and get involved in the ire and the angst of which comic book movie is better than the next. I don't give a flying fuck. They're Mm -hmm. comic book movies. They're there for you to have fun with. So when people are getting their dick bent out of shape about Batman versus Superman, which I liked, folks. It's a good movie. Shocker. I loved it. I don't give a fuck if you don't like that. (laughs) I liked it. it, And uh, Captain America Civil Weenies, which I thought was okay. Um, Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can go elsewhere and you can listen to a bunch of people argue and butt their heads. But to me, comic book movies should be fun. They're there to escape to. And I hope you can go and find the movies we talked about tonight and escape to these as well as these fantastic, you know, four hour comic book movies that you go to recliner lounge bistros and stuff your face with processed cheese for three hours. So. Folks, this is the part of the show where my guests shield the asses off and tell you where you can find them on the interwebs. Glenn Bittner, you go first. You can find me on Facebook uh, with Guy in a Bunker Productions and on YouTube, Guy in a Bunker as well. And follow me on the Twitter at Guy in a Bunker in case you don't know how Twitter works. And it wouldn't matter anyways because you would be looking for me there because you don't. <laughs> also, she'll, she'll your podcast. Oh, yeah. I also do a gaming podcast uh, called The Adventure Party. You can find that on uh, Galactic Netcast. That's GNCast.com. Beautiful. Paul Salzer. Instead of promoting myself, I'd like to promote a uh, wonderful uh, horror film festival that's coming out uh, this October. Uh, it's called the Northeast uh, Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival, and you can uh, learn more about it at www.newhorrorfest.com. Wonderful. Now that you got that out of the way, show yourself, please. <laughs> show myself. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm taking off my shirt now. Uh, no. Uh, well, you are in the dark. <laughs> You can find me on Facebook, uh, uh, WordPress, at, and uh, Twitter at uh, Forsaken Film Reviews. Scotty Davis. Uh, haven't updated in a bit because my computer's on the fritz here. Well, it's dead. But as soon as I get it working again, uh, you can catch, you can see new stuff hopefully at moviocrity.com. Uh, you can also, you know, and you know, look up the old shit too. It's fun. And, um, you can also catch uh, my web series, Moviocrity, at vimeo.com slash channels slash Moviocrity, where I cover lots of movies similar to Gwendolyn, although there is nothing quite like Gwendolyn. <laughs> Wonderful. Angelique. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. And also, you know, check out uh, thelosthighway.com. You'll find some reviews for myself and some pretty funny cats. Yay. 
Awesome. Well, I hope you guys dug this one. Stick around next week. We're back on to the John Waters territory with multiple maniacs. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>